Well, good evening, everyone. Please come have a seat. We will take a look at the crisis of the children of Israel. The Lord gave them the instructions for building the tabernacle, and they had the great privilege and honor to do that. And even as the instructions were being given, after they had agreed to the covenant that the Lord gave them, the first commandment of which that they would have no other gods uh, before him, while they were receiving the instructions for building the tabernacle, they made another god and they bowed down themselves to it and worshipped it. So they, they demonstrated there that although they said all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient, they didn't have a heart for it. And of course the scripture teaches us that the, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But before we can do that... Like uh, the Apostle Paul said, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so the, the people of Israel had an opportunity to take a look in the mirror of the law and see that although they said they wanted to do the right thing, their heart was not to do it. And I like to remind us that you and I are cut out of the same cloth that the children of Israel were cut out of and that we have the same... We have the same carnality and we have the same bent to disobey God and to, to be sinful creatures. And so we need God's grace as well. God has a great plan for us. God had a great plan for all of humanity. But there's a crisis and the crisis is that sin has to be dealt with. I guess um, I've got a new saying that has come up into my into my thinking and that is that that is that human beings don't need religion, they need rescue. And that's what we see here with the children of Israel. We see that the Lord, in a way, gave them religion. He gave them a detailed list of instructions from the Ten Commandments through the civil judgments and then through the uh, instructions for the tabernacle, the priesthood, the offerings, all the things that would go along with that. What, that was a perfect religion from God, but that's not what the people really needed in order for them to be reconciled to God. Having all those rules and regulations did not make them acceptable to God. What they, what they needed was a rescue. And what we see is, we see a picture of the rescue here in this crisis. Um, it's, it, it's noteworthy that this crisis occurs just in case somebody wanted to have the impression that the people of Israel came to Mount Sinai, God gave them the covenant, they said all that the Lord has said we will do, and then they kept the covenant from that day forward and lived happily ever after as a religious righteous people before God. The, the Lord wants us to know, no, these people were flawed from the, from the very beginning, and their life as a nation their life as individuals and their relationship with God was not going to be dependent upon their keeping these commandments. It's not going to be dependent upon their keeping this covenant. But instead, their very life and their very ability to go in and take the promised land and the, the very privilege to have the presence of God with them was not going to be dependent upon their meticulous keeping of the rules and regulations but it was going to be based upon the work of the intercessor. What we're going to see in the next couple of chapters is that, is that the people of Israel had the privilege to remain God's people because of the work of Moses. 
That's what we're going to see this evening. Let's go ahead and, and get into it. I think we spent some time last week looking at the golden calf and, and considering the implications of the people of Israel uh, uh, worshiping the calf. We also saw Aaron's attempt to shirk his responsibility. Do you remember that? Uh, how the people came to him and, and said, Up, oh, make us gods that came out of Egypt. Mo- I'm sure Aaron was just you know sit- sitting there hoping that Moses would hurry up and come back. Because the people of Israel had shown for the past several days, from the time they left Egypt all the way up until now, that they were inclined to complain. And that they were inclined to be unthankful. And they, they, there was even a time before this that they wanted to kill Moses and kill Aaron and return to, return to Egypt. So, so the, the, the heart of this people had already been manifest that they were intent to do evil. And so I can see Aaron... Uh, just sort of hanging around, hoping, praying, Moses, get back before something happens. <laughs> and sure enough, something happened. The people of Israel came and said, up, make us gods. <laughs> Let's get going. <laughs> we, we need to have some, something that we can focus our uh, spirit, spirit, something for a spiritual focus. We don't know what happened to Moses. That was a, that was a prevarication. Well, that was not true. But, uh, but they were impatient. They, they were impatient, and so they were, they called on Aaron, and uh, and Aaron made the golden calf. The, the scripture is very clear to tell us that that uh, that Aaron took the took the tool and he engraved the the calf himself. But whenever whenever Moses confronted Aaron about what happened, uh, Aaron said, "Well, I took these took the gold and threw it into the fire, and this calf came out." And so Aaron wants to sh- wants to shirk his responsibility for what he did. But again, we can we can laugh at Aaron about that, and it is comical how he said it. But it is so much like us to to want to uh, to want to shirk out the responsibility that that we have. Nevertheless, they they worship the calf, and there in chapter thirty-two, verses seven through fourteen, the Lord saw them worshiping the calf. And the Lord saw that these people had, had, had said they were going to enter this covenant. They were going to keep the commandments. And then while Moses was gone, within 40 days or less, the people had started uh, already worshiping idols. And the Lord saw that. And the Lord told Moses in verse 7, Moses, go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made a molten calf, worshipped it, sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, behold, it is stiff-necked. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation." The people of Israel right at this moment are in danger of being killed. Every single one. Let me alone that I may consume them. Clearly what the Lord has in mind here is that I'm going to wipe them out. They're all going to be dead and I'm going to take you and I'm going to raise up children of Israel through you and I'm going to keep my promises through you. So the very first the very first issue that Moses deals with as he intercedes for the people of Israel is he's going to spare their lives. Moses' first intercession spares their very lives. And so let's, let's continue on here in verse, uh, verse 11. Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with thy great power and with a mighty hand? 
Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Now, of course, Moses knew that God did not commit sin. The evil, the word evil here is not, is not being used in the sense of, Lord, you're, you're sinning and you need to get right with whoever you get right with. That's, that's not what he's saying. The, the word evil not, not only means moral evil, but the word evil also means calamity, destruction, terrible circumstances. Um, throughout the scripture, it, it's used that way. We even use that to say, oh, he's sick really bad. I know that's kind of Arkansas way to say it, but, but we say that was a bad wreck or this was a bad tornado or something like that. We don't mean that, it was, that the wreck was a sin against God. We mean that it was devastating. It was horrible. It had, it had terrible effects upon the people involved. And that's how he's using the word evil here. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self. And said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. See, what Moses is pleading for is that they will stay alive in accordance with God's promise and in accordance with God's honor. In accordance with God's honor. He's appealing to God's honor whenever he says, the Egyptians will hear that you destroyed them because you were not able to, to bring them to, to the land of, of, of uh, promise. So, the, so here Moses is appealing to God's honor and God's glory and he's appealing to God's promise. Verse 14, And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. The people of Israel were not spared because they kept the commandments. The people of Israel were spared because they were rescued by the intercession of Moses. And you know it's the same way with us. We have eternal life for one reason. We have a great intercessor. And our intercessor is accepted before God and, and, and uh, God hears the plea of our intercessor to grant to us life. So Moses turned and went down from the mount. And, and whenever Moses went down, he saw what was going on with the children of Israel. And then we see the humanity of Moses come out. Moses' anger waxed hot. And he... Well, let's, let's go to um, verse 19. It came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing... And Moses' anger waxed hot. Didn't it say something about the Lord? The Lord's anger waxing hot? Oh, there it is. Verse 11. Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy anger wax hot against thy people? And now as soon as Moses sees what God saw, Moses' anger waxes hot. Because he, he's... He, he's um, whenever it was just him and the Lord, he was identifying himself with the people and in compassion for his people. But whenever Moses went to face the people, he had to deal with them. You know, that also sort of reminds us about our relationship with Christ. Our, we are spared through Christ, but we're still accountable to Christ for how we, how we live. So, uh, so, so whenever Moses came, he, he spared the people. And then in verses, uh, chapter 32, verses 15 through 29, Moses confronts the people. And Moses' confrontation ends in with the people being chastened. And let's take a quick look at the chastening. Uh, and, and we'll just take up in verse 19 and, and uh, read down through verse 29. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and brake them beneath the mount 
I know some people point out right there, see, Moses was a sinner too. He broke all ten of the commandments at one time. And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder, strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me, then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him, and he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about three thousand men. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son, upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. Wow. Well, there was chastening whenever Moses came down. Just a couple of things I would like to, to point out about the chastening is that, is that it, uh, we see God's grace. Uh, I, I know that it's common to say, well, in the Old Testament, it was all works and law. But in a few days to become the great high priest of Israel the very man that had fashioned a golden calf. That was grace. That was God's grace. But Moses saw that the, the people that they were naked, one of the characteristics of human beings whenever we degenerate and, and, and turn away from the God of heaven is nakedness. Nakedness and the, and the partying and, and things of that nature. <clears throat> no sen- we lose our sense of shame. But then, uh, also notice what Moses required the people of Israel to do. Uh, He said, who is on the Lord's side? The Lord gave the the people of Israel, and you know, the Lord, whenever God talked to Moses and said, Moses, stand back so that I can consume them, he didn't say, I want to consume everybody but the Levites. Everybody was guilty. What happened when Moses came down from the mountain and Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? Come stand over here. He was calling for people to repent. And the, and the, uh, the tribe of Levi came and, and stood with Moses. And then Moses made a, made a request of them that is, is not the same as what Jesus said. But do you remember what Jesus said? Any man that comes after me, if he does not hate his father and his mother and his brother and his sister and houses and lands, he's not worthy of me. Do you see what Moses called these people to do? Dedicate yourselves totally to God and cut off your relationships with these other people. You see, Moses was calling these guys not just to come and stand with him, but to but to end his relationship with these people that were into the idolatry. And I'm, you know, I, 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 the Lord's not telling us to go kill people, but I, I, it's just noteworthy that these people, that these Levites that 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 responded to the call, who's on the Lord's side? that they had to do something with the people that they had previously been associated with. And, and of course, the, the Lord used them to execute his judgment 
upon the idolaters, about 3,000 men. Well, we know that there were a lot more people than that in Israel. These, these were the people that refused to uh, get right. These, these were the ones that refused to identify with the Lord. And they were the ones that, that, were, that were executed on that day. So there was, a, there was confrontation next. Moses' second intercession. <clears throat> the next day... And what I'd like to do before reading what it says on the next day is I, I'd like for us to, to go to the next chapter and uh, because, because it tells us, beginning in chapter 32, verse 30, it tells us about Moses going before the Lord to intercede for the people. And then it tells us what Moses did before he went to intercede for the people. So let's take a look at what... I just want to get the chronological order here. So here they are, the, the, uh, the Levites have gone in and they've killed 3,000 of the, of the people. These are probably the ones that were the, the primary leaders of the idol worship that day. Wow, what a horrible evening that would have been. They started out the day with a wild party to the gods that brought them out of Egypt. And they ended with 3,000 people dead, laying, laying in the sand in the desert there, needing to be buried families weeping over the loss of, of loved ones, the trauma and shock to those that, had to, that went in and, and did the uh, executions, that, that did the killing. What a horrible, horrible evening that, turn, that turned into. Verse 5. The Lord had said unto Moses, Say to the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up unto thee in, in the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now... Put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. All right, so the, so the next day, or, or maybe even that, that evening, they had to take off all of their ornaments. Now, let's stop and think about this for just a minute. What's the significance of ornaments to us, to people? Yeah, they reflect our status, don't they? Our ornaments are a reflection of our of our status. You know, people that don't wear any any ornaments typically are, are viewed as 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 those that are of a lower status than those who who do wear ornaments. Another another function of ornaments is to make us not only not only look of a higher status but also to to make us look better. Uh, one of the reasons that ladies wear where uh, jewelry, earrings, and, and things of that nature is to enhance their beauty. But, uh, but ornaments and jewelry are, have, a, have a focus on, on us. Enhance a focus on, on us. And at this point, the Lord, is, the Lord is grossed out with them. Grossed out. He couldn't care less about how they look. And especially something that's going to draw focus and attention to them. There is no more status among the children of Israel. Every one of them deserves to be dead. Verse 30. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for you. Now, their, their lives have already been spared. But now Moses understands the, the feeling of the, of the Lord here that these people, although they may be alive, they, don't, they, they deserve nothing but just to drop dead here in the wilderness. And so, uh, but what about the great plan that God had to bring them out of Egypt and to, 
take them through the, through the desert and bring them to the promised land and to give them the land. You know, at this point, all bets are off. Because the Lord told them, if you will obey my covenant indeed, obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall have this, you shall have that, you shall have the other thing, I'll bring you into the land, I'll bless you, etc., etc. Well, they've blown it. They've blown it. Everything's, all bets are off at this point. They're, they are lucky to even be breathing at this moment. At this moment, because they, they have totally destroyed everything. Moses said, you've sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt, forgive their sin. And if not, I, if not blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book, which thou hast written. Now, notice the heart of Moses here. Moses is asking, is asking the Lord to forgive their sin. Okay, they're, they're already, they're, they're, their life is, pre, is preserved. But, but at this point, the Lord can just let them just live in the wilderness till they just drop dead of natural causes and forget all the promises and the promised land and all that kind of stuff. So he's asking, he's asking Lord, for, forgive their sin. In other words, Lord, restore them to favor with yourself is the idea here. And if you won't restore them, then you can blot my name out. Uh, that's clearly the heart of Christ, isn't it? That's the heart of, of our mediator as well. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. You know, this passage, I know there's a passage in the book of Revelation that, that talks about uh, folks being blotted out of, the, out of the book. But if you stop to think about it, I want to, I want to bring another passage to your mind in reference to this. And that is where Jesus told the people of Israel... If you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. And I'd like to ask you to think for just a minute about what does that mean to die in your sins? It means to die, to go into the presence of God still accounted as a sinner. And anyone that goes into the presence of God accounted as a sinner, someone who has died as a sinner before God, unforgiven, unatoned, unreconciled, that person is going to have to go into the place of punishment. That person is going to have to go to hell to pay for their sins. Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now go, lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. So at this point, the Lord is, is, is telling Moses, okay, Moses, you go, you lead the people to the place. The Lord's going to forgive them. The Lord's going to allow them to go ahead and go. So this is the second thing I want us to see is, it, is number one, Moses spared the people, and number two, he restored, it was, the, it was the intercession of Moses that restored the promise to them, that they were going to have the privilege to go into the land. So let, let's take a look at, Moses, at the, Lord, the re- remainder of the Lord's answer here. Going through chapter 33, verse 6. But let's, let's begin in chapter 32, verse 34. Therefore now, go, lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Well, that's the land of Canaan. Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. They are going to, there is going to be an accounting 
for what they've done here. Chapter 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart, go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt unto the unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up unto the midst of thee in a moment, consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. Now do you see what the Lord has told the people of Israel he's going to do? He spared their lives. Now he's told them, Now you can go up into the promised land, but I am not going with you. You are a stiff-necked people. So you, you can live... You can go to the promised land, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. I'm not, I'm not going with you. And that brings us to Moses' third intercession. Moses' third intercession. Let's take a look at it. Let's go to the, uh, cha- chapter 33, verse, verse 7. <clears throat> and Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp. And called it the tabernacle of the congregation. Now this is not the tabernacle for which Moses received instructions. This is simply a tent. Moses set up a tent, a place that he was going to intercede for the people of Israel. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone unto the tabernacle. Do you see everybody's focus now is upon the mediator. Our lives and our future, our blessings, the presence of God is dependent upon this one man, Moses. Wow, what a picture about us in Christ. Well, Moses is not finished interceding because Moses not only wants to spare their lives, Moses not only wants to see them make it to the promised land, but Moses wants the Lord to go with them. Do you see what the Lord told him was, yeah, you go on up, but I'm not going with you. So look at what Moses talks with the Lord about. Verse 9, And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses, and all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. Well, they've got the right focus of worship now, haven't they? And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again unto the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, the Lord said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. 
And he, Moses, said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. You see what Moses is asking the Lord for is that the Lord, the Lord will go with them. Not just that there'll be people walking around alive out in the desert and not just that they'll go and that they'll successfully conquer the promised land. But the thing that makes them different from all the people on the earth is the fact that God is with them. The, the presence of God is what makes them distinct. Isn't that what makes us different? Isn't that what gives us a true Christian testimony? It's not just keeping rules and regulations. But it's the fact that God's presence is with us. And and, uh, we sense the presence of God. Verse 17, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. So, So Moses successfully interceded there. And think about what Christ has done for us. Christ's intercession doesn't just include giving us spiritual life. And it doesn't just include getting us to heaven. But it includes the privilege to have the presence of God with us. That we have acceptance with God. We can have fellowship with God. And we can have God present in our lives. But we'll stop right there.